This is TK331, a Star Wars EU slash Legends podcast. I'm Crystal, a Star Wars enthusiast, but I've never read a thing I liked that I couldn't complain about a little bit. And I'm Thomas, a Star Wars completionist who has previously read the entirety of the EU. So, what are we talking about today? Today we are returning to Tales from Jabba's Palace and reading Sleight of Hand, The Tale of Mara Jade. Written by Timothy Zahn, edited by Kevin J. Anderson, and published by Bantam Spectre in January 96. This is the sixth episode we've done where the story was written by Timothy Zahn, and the first since we wrapped up the original Thrawn trilogy over two years ago. It's, it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> it's the second short story we've read by him, joining Hammer Tong, the tale of the Tonica sisters, in Tales from the Mos Eisley Cantina. He is one of the busiest authors in the Star Wars universe, writing several novels, short stories, comics, and novellas. Side of Hand, the tale of Mara Jade, tells the story of Mara Jade's original attempt on Luke Skywalker's life in Jabba's palace. This was referenced numerous times throughout the original Thrawn trilogy, and this was on finally getting a chance to tell that story. So, like, we'd heard, you know, he's like, I tried to kill you, I failed, yada, 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 and this is the story of that failure. Correction, Mara, you did not try very hard. <laughs> so, jumping right in. Mara Jade is attempting to infiltrate Jabba's palace as a dancer named Erica. She dances and then holds her pose while a fat, scar-headed man watches her. She waits for his direction, and eventually he tells her to rise. He says she dances well and asks what else she does well. She says whatever her master Jabba needs. He says she's hired and she'll start on the midnight shift. After, the Emperor force Skypes her and asks if Skywalker's there. This is so weird. Is it? It's funny because it makes me think like this is the basis. Well, I guess the whole thing where like Luke and Vader were kind of forced Skyping in Empire was the basis for like Kylo Ren and Rey. Yeah, but there's an Empire was all audio. This is she's actually seeing Palpatine. Yeah, his face. face is like swimming before her. Yeah, Vader and Luke. That was just a forced call. This is forced. And it was in close proximity. It yeah. was only ever when they were in close proximity to each other, because it happens in episode six as well, mm -hmm. sort of, as they pass by ships over Endor. This is over a huge distance. I mean, Tatooine is outer rim. Yeah. Bizarre. Mara says that Skywalker's not here yet, but Solo is still here. They both know of Vader's offer to Luke to join his father and rule the galaxy as father and son. And that's why Mara is here, to kill Luke and make sure that can't happen. Because the afterward, Palpatine talked to Vader, and Vader was like, no, 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 I was just messing with the kid. I was just manipulating get... him. Exactly. But both Palpatine and Mara are like, no, the offer was genuine. <laughs> and, you know, Vader's still useful, so Palpatine doesn't want to kill him, but killing Luke basically takes this opportunity away. Yeah. Melina Karnas introduces herself. She's a former dancer and is now a dance designer and gives Mara the tour of the palace. They arrive at the throne room as R2 is showing Luke's hollow to Jabba. And Melina wonders who that is, and Mara says she doesn't know. But, of course, she recognizes Luke, who she constantly thinks of as Skywalker in this story. He seems confident and self-assured, not the tentative kid she'd read about. She also notices the new lightsaber that Luke had built for himself. She thinks Palpatine was right. Luke is more dangerous than she gave him credit for. Also, Mara, you got a little bit of a crush. I really don't think no. so. This is the laser. She sees him, and she's like, just, oh, it's Luke. I must fan myself. No, this is the laser focus of, like, hatred. Yeah, I know. Though not quite as much hatred as she'll experience later. Just the initial, like, oh, this guy is making things difficult for my boss, who for some reason I'm very loyal to, so I'm going to murder him. 
Later, Chewie is brought in, and Mara assumes it's Skywalker in the disguise. She reaches out with the Force and is surprised to discover that it's a woman. Technically, it is a Skywalker. It's not the one she was looking for. It just does beg the question, how does the Force distinguish gender? I never imagined it to be that fine-tuned. You know? Like, I imagine you sense, like, life, or, like, if you know a person and you are Force-sensitive, you can sense a particular per like you know it's that particular person you know it's their life force but just to like reach out to a person that you've never met and be like oh there's a woman back there how does the force know don't know i mean it might be that that's not something most people with the force could do but mara can because of her training and her skill set being a spy oh my god well like i, I feel like the ability to tell who's I would, who in disguise and whatnot would be a very useful thing for someone in her line of work sure i would find that much more believable if the rest of the story does not play out the way that it does <laughs> Boosh, air quotes, and Jabba bargain, and Chewie is taken away. Mara goes to Boba Fett and acts the scared new, new girl, and she asks if this sort of thing happens often. It takes a moment for Fett to answer, and for a moment she worries that he's recognized her. But he doesn't, and he says, don't worry, Jabba knows who can be trusted. And while Boosh may look crazy, he's not. And Mara is happy to confirm that the bounty hunter is supposed to be male, and she wonders who the woman is. Maybe an ally of Luke's? Regardless, he'll eventually come when he runs out of droids and allies. And indeed, Luke shows up a day later in the morning. Her danger sense gives her advance warning, but not that much of one. Mara is impressed by Luke. I guess the fact that he's sort of snuck in under the radar. As he's surrounded by guards, she knows that it's time. She tries to grab a blaster off of somebody in the crowd because she figures that no one will know who shot him. But then she feels a blaster in her back. It's being held by Melina. And Melina just, you know, carefully and quickly escorts her out of the throne room. And Mara is furious at herself for getting caught and not realizing that Melina was actually a guard in disguise. Basically, Mara's role. Yeah. And Melina says that Erica has been awfully quiet. And Mara says that she didn't do anything. And Melina says, sure you haven't. You haven't infiltrated here under false pretenses or lied about who, you, who and what you are or conspired with the Lady Valerian to assassinate Jabba. It's true. Mara did not do that last thing. Yeah. Mara says she doesn't know what Lily is talking about. She has nothing against Jabba. And that is the truth. They get to a pair of Gamorrean guards and Melina tells them to take Erica to the dungeon. Using the force, Mara makes Melina shoot one of them and then she runs. She gets away and eventually she sees a grate and through it she sees the Rancor go for Luke and she is stunned when Luke kills the beast. She's like, yes, my job was a bit... Oh, poop. <laughs> And then she also realizes that Luke did this without his lightsaber. He came here without it. Where is it? The Wookiee doesn't have it. Nor does the protocol droid, nor does Leia Organa, because at this point, Leia has been revealed to be the bounty hunter in disguise. And then she realizes the astromech must have it somewhere. Half a dozen guards get to her, but she deals with them in about a minute. She goes into the Rancor pit and climbs out that way. The throne room has emptied. She finds everybody in the hangar. She doesn't see Luke, but sees Jabba getting ready to get onto his sail barge. She walks up to Jabba and asks to come on the trip. Through 3PO, Jabba says no. She then sees Luke being loaded onto one of the skiffs, and she starts begging. 3PO says, The great Jabba the Hutt says you are to leave him now. He says a land speeder will be placed at your disposal and that you are not to be seen here again. She thanks Jabba for the kindness and leaves. Palpatine then foreskypes Mara again and says he is disappointed in her failure. And she says, well, you know, maybe Jabba will do the job for us. And he's like, you really believe that? And she says, no, I don't. He says, for now, 
Skywalker is of no immediate importance and ordered her to continue on to Svivren. They can discuss her failure when she gets back and his image just fades away. Apparently this is Mara's first failure since she was named the Emperor's Hand and it hurts terribly. But it was alright. She would make it alright. Skywalker might escape now, but he couldn't avoid her forever. Eventually, somewhere, she'd catch up with him. And then he would die. Ending the story. And she's 90% right until the last sentence. Yeah. She will catch up with him. He He can't avoid her forever. (laughs) Their fates are intertwined. Just not in the way that she would expect. So what do you think? So this is, again, the second short story we've read by Zahn the podcast and i like this one a lot more than the tale of the tonica sisters because again that one was didn't really connect with anything didn't really care about the characters that much mara is one of my favorite creations in the eu so i really enjoy seeing more of her backstory i like seeing her fail even though it was not uh her finest hour and i also like just how well this connects to the original thrawn trilogy you know like like we said earlier this was referenced several times and I think all three books at various points. So it was nice to just finally see that story. This is the kind of short story I really like. I was looking forward to reading this one, but not going to lie, Mara really disappointed me in this story. She got clocked way too soon. She made sloppy mistakes. I could believe this if it was earlier in her career, but why then, if it's early in her career, would she be the one who's sent to eliminate Luke and... How could this possibly be the first time she's failed Palpatine as his hand? Like, that that didn't really make sense to me. No? No. Because in order to be the hand, you have to be pretty well established. You have to be pretty good at your job. But in order to get good, you have to fail first. Well, it was her first failure since she was named the hand, not her first failure ever. But I think she's been the hand for a while. She has. So that didn't make sense to me. Okay. I just expected more to this backstory. I expected it to make more sense. Like, given where Mara is in her career as Palpatine's hand, the mistakes she made in the story did not add up to me. She got way too sloppy and wasn't paying enough attention. I really expected, I don't know what exactly I expected, but I expected, like, kind of a twist of fate to prevent her from getting on the sail barge at the last minute. Like, I had always been imagining that Jabba selected a certain number of dancers and Mara simply didn't make the cut. And then when she tried to get on the barge via some kind of like secretive means, like sneaky, sneaky spy stuff, that's when she got caught. So I expected the story to go much more like she infiltrates the palace. She does slow observation of everything that's going on. She works to get into Jabba's good graces so that he will pick her to go on the sail barge. And then when that all goes to crap, that's when she starts resorting to more drastic measures and things don't work out. I would have accepted her making a sloppy mistake at that point in this fan fiction that I've just written. <laughs> Not in the, oh, here's the, I'm going to shoot him right away. Yeah, that just didn't, it seemed too rushed. It did. I almost wonder, so in this collection that we've read so far in Jabba's Palace, one short story, I think it was 40 pages. The rest have been 20 or less, um, including this one. So, yeah. so I wonder, were most of the authors constrained by page counts, except for that one that was longer? I, don't, I think it was Molly Keeley's tale that was longer. Yeah. All the rest have been under 20 pages. So I wonder if, you know, Zahn wanted to tell a, a story close to what you described, but wasn't able to because of that page count. I think you still could have done it. I think you just needed to cut the opening scene, 
We don't need to see her auditioning. Okay. We need to see her having been basically implanted for like, she's like, we open on, she's already been there for a couple of months because as soon as Palpatine knows, and he knows right away that Han is in Carbonite in Jabba's palace, like that's when you send her, you know, that Luke's going to come eventually. Yeah. It was a little surprising that she got there like so two last days before minute. Luke did. Yeah. That's it. It just doesn't make sense to me. Okay. The structure is bad. So I, I I say cut the audition. We open on her having already been there for not like right since Han arrived because that's suspicious, but like for a couple of months so that she has time to ingratiate herself with Jabba. You don't want her to have been there for this whole six months because one, it looks weird that she shows up right after Han shows up. And two, the longer you stay in Jabba's palace, the higher your possibility for being murdered becomes. maimed. Or being caught. So, like, I say two or three months. And then when stuff really starts to kick off, she, like, might even have allies among among the, like, people who vouch for her and don't think that she's a... Maybe Melina is an ally, and then when she pulls the gun, it makes it even worse. Yeah. That would have made a lot more sense to me. Okay. Um, it just felt way too rushed. And it just didn't, you know, Zahn, you've disappointed me. Much like Mara's disappointed Palpatine. I, I think it's fair to say, for when it comes to John, you much prefer his novel-length stories than his short stories. Or his oh, novellas. yeah. Every short story and novella we've read by him, I've been, like, head tilted to the side. I mean, like, I, okay. I, we've done two short stories and one novella, and I think of the three of those, this was probably your favorite. Yeah. And I would agree with that. Like, to, to me, it would go this one, the and then the novella in the Unknown Regions, and then the Tonic Assistant being last of the three. <sighs> this is also a really nitpicky and maybe a little bit of a petty thing. But there was a particular scene in this story that made me go, please stop. When she approaches Boba Fett mm-hmm. and she's worried that maybe he's recognized her because they do run sort of in overlapping circles because he's done work for the Empire. I just had the thought to myself where I was like, Zahn, we get it. She is your special OC, but she doesn't have to know everybody who's involved with the Empire. Like she doesn't. I, I had this feeling as well. I can't remember what book it was in. There's a time where she's having like this long conversation with Vader. Do you remember what book that's in? It, I think it was in like Allegiances. Yeah, it, it or... must have been one of the, the, the later published but earlier timeline books. Yeah. And I just like during that same thing as with this scene, I was just thinking to myself like, oh my God, she's Palpatine's hand. I get that she's important and all of that. But like, I don't think that she should have any kind of personal relationship or connection with Vader. It, it felt too interconnected to okay. me. And this moment did too. Too small galaxy. Yeah. And usually that doesn't bother you, I feel like. But every now and then there's something that does. I <laughs> I think it bothers me in this instance because I'm, I'm reading a, a lot into it about like how hard it is to restrain yourself when you have a character that you really love and you're putting them in this universe that presumably I assume that Zahn loves Star Wars. And the temptation becomes too great. You want them to connect with all of the characters that are really interesting and important to you. But it it feels misplaced because this person who only exists in the books, we've never seen in the movies. And I know we haven't had a lot of opportunity to see them, but 
it's like you said, it feels like two two small galaxies. There's some things in the conversation with Vader that I'm referencing that I remember thinking, there is no way anyone would get away with saying this stuff to Vader and not be murdered. There's just, it doesn't matter that she's Palpatine's hand. He would kill her and he would deal with the, the consequences with Palpatine later. Like I said, it's kind of an it's kind of a nitpicky thing because I understand the temptation a and lot. <laughs> I think for me it was less they had something they met before. She's, you know, Fett has been to Imperial Court before. There's a chance she's thinking like maybe there was a chance he saw her one time, so not much of an interaction. So to me, that one bothers me less than the Vader one would. I think because she's just worried of that possibility that she was seen one time. Yeah, I think the the Fett one bothered me this time through only because I was a little bit primed for it with it's actually been years since i read whatever book i'm talking about allegiances choices of one one of those books one of those but at the same time that scene really stuck in my memory i can't remember which book it was in but i don't think you ever told me about this i don't think i did either i i think it's one of those things that sometimes like i'm reading it in the moment and then i get to the end of the book and i'm telling you about the book and i've like forgotten that i wanted to complain about that one thing believe it or not sometimes i forget about the things i want to complain about (laughs) um it's actually happened in this podcast before (laughs) but yeah just as soon as that scene with boba fett happened i remembered it instantly i remembered her conversation (laughs) with vader and i was like ah not this again (laughs) if i hadn't read that book i don't think that scene with that would have bothered me as much okay because I agree, she could, like, they could have been, you know, ships passing in the night. Yeah, and I think that's a reasonable fear on her part. But then, why'd you go to Boba Fett Mara? Yeah, why didn't you go to some other... And I think the the answer there is, in uh, not not in a personal way, but in a professional way, she feels like she trusts Fett's analysis. I also think maybe Zahn wanted to use a recognizable name in Jabba's palace, and who's more recognizable than Boba Fett? yeah. But this again gets into the sort of related but separate problem of the small galaxy issue. And usually small galaxy doesn't bother me. I'm, I'm totally okay and I enjoy characters running into each other when it doesn't make sense for them to do it because it's fun to see these characters love interacting. I think it bothers me more every time it happens. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things. It's like the boiling frog thing. And I've reached the point where I've realized how hot the water is that I'm in. And it's just getting worse and worse every time. I think it also depends on really how for the big the biggest thing is how well is it done. Yeah, and I, I think for you it has been done with this character before, and because it happened with Mara before, you really noticed it here. Yeah, like there are some situations uh, we've kind of talked about this before, where like I feel like I can see the hand of the author moving too much through the story. There are some ways that characters can intersect where I feel like it makes a lot of sense and their motivations and their positioning at the time leads me to go, "Eh, it's still unlikely in a big, you know, vast space, but like I can believe it and it's fine. But there are other times where it just feels forced and like pun intended. (laughs) Yeah, quite literally by the because I feel like I mean, that's what we joke about, right? Like hyperspace takes as long as the plot needs it to take. The force will make what needs to happen happen. Like that's kind of the way that this galaxy works. I wish it didn't m- much of the time, but yeah, sometimes it feels forced because the author was like, "I just really want to put these characters in a room together. Just don't do it, guys. Just resist, <laughs> resist the temptation." And that is sleight of hand, the tale of Mara Jade. Next up, we'll be discussing Tyrant's Test, the final book of the Black Fleet Crisis, written by Michael P. Kibbe McDowell. You can look forward to that coming out on July 2nd. God, speaking of the hand of the author, just moving <laughs> Think the of the scenery. same thing. 
Thanks to Thomas for editing. And thanks to Crystal for going on this crazy idea. And thanks to you for listening. You can email us at tk331podcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at tk331podcast. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, tell a family member, and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and any other podcast reviewing platform of your choice. And now here it is, Yamaro Star Wars. But that was all right. Let the petty man revel in his petty power over her. Trusted underling of one of the most powerful crime lords in the Empire, he was still nothing. She could crush him with a word, could bring down Jabba's entire organization on a whim, could burn this backwater planet to a core of glazed sand with a single order. And if none of that happened, it was merely because she had more important matters to attend to. For she was Mara Jade, the Emperor's Hand, here to await the arrival of Luke Skywalker, and to kill him.